I'll sleep basically in anybody's bed with anybody. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. And I'm a, I'm a cuddler. So even if you don't think you want me there, at some point during the night, at some point during the night, you thank your lucky stars that I'm there to cuddle up with. Santa's coming to New Orleans. Time for another three-way. I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are two sorry excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sam, man? Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a few weeks now, it seems like. We have um, two sorry excuses, edition seven. Year in Review, 2014 Preview Edition. Year in Review. How you been? All right, man. How about yourself? Good. How was your Christmas? Eh, kind of uneventful. Dressed up as Santa real briefly. You're not a big Christmas? You're not a big Christmas guy? No, no. Just too many damn people. Christmas, New Year's, Easter... St. Patrick's Day and Thanksgiving. What's your what's your top three? I was not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> so totally not prepared for this. I put. Uh, I, I'm not a big New Year's guy. I don't. Yeah, that's why I was interested in that you had it as number two. Yeah, well, no, no, no. It, it just in those five, no particular order. Oh, okay. No particular order. Yeah, I have no plans for New Year's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Probably um, some of my favorite New Year's would be the times that I would come back from Curacao, um, visit my parents over the holiday season, and they'd throw a big party for all their friends. And Yeah. Um, I would just sit upstairs and watch um, Law & Order Special Victim Unit marathons. <laughs> I'm a sucker for Mariska Haggerty. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Um that's the problem. I've reached that age in my life where I'm 37 and single. So, you know, there's not much for me going on on uh, New Year's Eve. Well, I'll tell you what. It doesn't get much, much better at 40 and married, pal. Yeah, yeah. At least you have someone to kiss at night. <laughs> I'm kissing my dog. Uh, um, so we had a big couple weeks. Um, n- not... Not a lot of events going on over the last couple of weeks, but some real quality stuff. Um, we missed last week. So so let's recap for a second. So we had the big, massive Mark Selden two-parter. Yes. Um, in which we released uh, two weeks ago. Um, yep. The second part. 
That was before the St. John's game. It was right before the St. John's game, and and um, we ended up having to uh, to skip our regularly planned uh, episode seven. Um, I ended up getting sick. I had a killer sinus infection. I had a death in the family. Yeah. The holidays were coming up. It, it just ended up being a real mess. We couldn't. No, I understand. We couldn't coordinate. So I was pretty sick last week during the Christmas holiday. That was another. Yeah, something goes around this time of year. I think yeah. you know everybody you know is out and about, and you're hitting up holiday parties and happy hours, and you know you're just not getting a lot of sleep, and you're getting stressed out. So. Um, you know, that kind of stuff goes around. And then um, iTunes had a moratorium on uploads. So even if we had done one, we wouldn't have been able to get it up before yesterday anyway. Really? So What's we, that all about? I don't, they must have been doing some system maintenance or something yeah. because all of their app um, or, or their mobile service products were, were down. You couldn't, If you were an app developer, uh, you couldn't upload a new app or an update of an app. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you hosted iTunes if you hosted a podcast on iTunes they wouldn't let you upload new um, uh, new editions so something was up um, I don't know if that's regular every year they yeah. kind of take the system down but um, maybe the NSA was putting their uh, <laughs> spying programs in there <laughs> they had to, they had to update board. all of their malware yes <laughs> but we didn't miss much. Um, the St. John's game, which turned out to be a little more eventful um, than I think most people would have liked. Um, yep. It wasn't the typical uh, Syracuse-Madison Square Garden showing. Um, Even the high point game was a little bit too more too eventful. The high point game, um, you know, both of those were, were, were kind of under the radar wins. Um you know, games we were supposed to take care of business, we took care of business. I think the big problem with both of those games, and even with uh, Saturday's game, big layoffs in between, you know? Yeah, and that's tough. In that time of year, things are really quiet on campus. Both of the, all three of those games, um, I, I think, technically took place over a break. Um, yeah. The High Point game and Villanova uh, definitely did. Yeah, they did. Um, obviously, St. John's was away, but. Um, Usually that's a pretty good showing on camp on uh, at Madison Square Garden, even though um, you know it's a, it's technically a a road game for us. Um, any given time, there's about fifty percent of the building is in orange. Um, yeah, no doubt. And this is the first time I've missed that game in a long time. Um, yeah, I Liz let, Stillman was quite disappointed. I let the lovely Liz Stillman down, um, but I was able to catch. Um, catch a, a reprise with her. Um, we had a little dinner in the city uh, maybe two weeks ago and got nice. to see uh, BP on an unexpected trip to New York City, which was... Uh, BP came to New York? Yeah, yeah. Was he, were they visiting Carla's sister or something? No, so so I for the last five years, um, up until July, I had worked in, in the city, um, and every so often, Carla would come in uh, one to visit her her sister on occasion, and yeah. uh, two for business. She had a lot of business. She did a lot of business in New York. Um, yeah. So I would catch her, you know, probably once every two or three months if if I was lucky, and we would go out and you know have have a beer or something. Um, but she didn't come. Drink a Bud uh, Light. Yes. What's that? She would drink a Bud Light. <laughs> exactly. Uh, drink a Bud Light. Smoke. Uh, crank a couple butts, and then we would just call and it a night. Beef and cheese. 
Um, but this time she didn't come because Brian was in town on business. And I guess um, one of the liquor distributors um, from up his way in Boston was running a trip for some of the major accounts. And they ended up taking um, BP and, and one of his managers to um, from Boston to uh, Brooklyn on an Excella. So the high speed, uh, okay. the yeah. high speed Amtrak um, came down. It's probably like a three and a half, four hour drive, uh, a ride, no stop, uh, nonstop. But they plied him with booze, and they, you know, and they treated him like royalty. And they were taking him to the Celtics Nets game um, in Brooklyn. They had set up a happy hour for him. They were going to shuttle him off to a suite in Brooklyn. Um, then they were going to take him back to um, some club and, you know, kind of give them the VIP treatment. And, um, you know, BP, when it comes to the poorhouse, man, he is by the book. Yeah, you know, I know. He doesn't mess around. It's There's poorhouse business and there's personal business. Yep. And never the two shall meet. So uh, he had sent me a text message. Um, and occasionally I'll get a uh, uh, just a nice pop in from him with maybe my name somewhere that he's seen on a street sign or you know some type of Syracuse related um, tchotchke or knickknack and he'll you know either send me a, a photo or shoot me a text and you know just kind of say what's up. But uh, a couple weeks ago he called me, so I knew it was important. I figured something was up, and I either uh, I, I thought either that Carla was pregnant or he was coming to New York City. Um, turns out he was coming to New York City. So he wanted to see what my plans were, but he couldn't commit to anything because he was part of this this official work function. Yeah. So he was he was afraid that he wasn't gonna be able to duck out um and you know that they would take attendance along the way and he needed to represent himself and, and the poorhouse correctly. Um so he kind of set up a just a, a quick little meet and greet for he and I and Fat Pat, who works um, in yeah. Secaucus right across the river. Yep. So we literally were going to meet up for, for one beer to say, you know, to say hello. But I'm, I'm not in the city anymore, so I had to trek all the way in from Asbury Park. It's a good, you know, it's a, it's a good hour, hour and a half, yeah. uh, depending on, on the traffic. But it was worth it. I hadn't seen him in a while. Even just for a beer, that would have been great. And then, you know, I could have caught up with, with Fat Pat. Um, but we get there and it's a liquor distributor. Liquor distributors care almost nothing about the amount of money they spend to procure their clientele. And, uh, as soon as we walked in, the liquor rep came over and was like, Hey, uh, Brian, these are a friend of yours. And Brian's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I'm sorry, just, um, you know, they, they were just kind of going to meet up with me, and, and I'll be over in a second. He's like, nah, bring them along. <laughs> bring them along. Come on. Hey, nice to meet you. Drinks on the house. You know, have whatever you want. So we ended up kind of hanging out with them for a while. We didn't go to the game because uh, they didn't have any extra tickets, but um, we got escorted up to some, like, VIP um, rooftop exclusive bottle service, um, um, just swank joint that, that I didn't have any business being in, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And it overlooked the city, Empire State Building. Uh, it was downtown, so you got a good good view of, of uh, all the, the holiday lights. And um, 
we ended up ripping it up pretty good old school for uh for a couple hours up there and at some point i just went into into autopilot and and next thing i know i was on the dance floor i was kicking up uh groovy tunes and and um it just cutting a rug i must have been i felt like i was out there for about 15 minutes but i must have been out there probably for an hour hour and a half to the point where i knew i was out there for too long because i looked around after uh after a little while, and I was the only one on the dance floor. Yeah. So that's when I kind of knew it was time to shut it down because I'd sweat. I'd alienated everybody else uh, yeah. in my close proximity, but um, it was a good time. But for the fact that BP um, had to share his bed with me, um, which he wasn't expecting to do, uh, I think we both had a pretty good time. I paid the price Not in the it. the first nor the last guy to share a bed with <laughs> <laughs> Add him to the list. Yeah. I, was, I remember once back uh, when we were at our last place, the little apartment on Comstock, I remember one night, you know, I don't know what it was, but you were up there. And I remember coming home and, you know, really late at night or early in the morning, whatever it was, because I was probably at the bar or something. You were passed out of my bed. And luckily, I had a big enough bed. I remember I just rolled you over and hopped in the bed. Well, here's the thing. There's two problems uh, with having me as a house guest, especially in um, in um, when alcohol consumption is, is going to be high over an extended period of time. One, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not a, a night owl. I, yeah. I make my work during the day. Yeah. And I don't care what's going to happen after I'm done. The best time is the time I'm having now. I know there's a theory out there that says, you know, pace yourself. You know, you're going to miss something. But I'm yeah. not too concerned with something. You guys can have the something. I'm going to have what I have until I'm, I can't have it anymore. And then I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to find a place to stay. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that that place to stay is almost anywhere I want it to be. I have almost no shame or decorum when it comes to finding a bed to sleep in. And on more than one occasion, I will just clear, I will just find the the closest open bed and crawl in it. Um, And, you know, that could be obviously your bed. It could have been BP's hotel bed. It could be somebody's parents' bed, you know, at a house party in, in, in high school or in college. I just have the need to be comfortable. And, you know, it, the higher the thread sheet count is, the better. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too discerning. I'll, I'll sleep basically in anybody's bed with anybody. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of my gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Your gift. <laughs> Your gift. Your ability to go sleep wherever the hell you feel like it. Exactly. And I'm a, I'm a cuddler. So even if you don't think you want me there, at some point during the night, at some point during the night, you thank your lucky stars that I'm there to cuddle up with. <laughs> I don't think I was thinking of that at any point. <laughs> <laughs> but be, be honest, are you thinking it now? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I do believe you, Mike Peters, and I all shared a king-size bed one night during the Final Four, right? I'm, I'm 100% sure that is correct. <laughs> Um, that, that trip, well, and we might've been, so I had to go down 
So just to kind of to recap that story, it was I was working for the NEC, um, and it was my year to to take the complimentary Final Four tickets that the office uh, office gave out. So they rotated around, and every year uh, one person got to bring a guest. Uh, to the final four and it just so happened to be my year they tried to talk me out of it so they could sell the tickets and what I a s- budget conference i said <laughs> <laughs> totally man it was such really needs his money it was it really was so bad he tried to the, the commissioner tried to talk me out of it uh, and go to the he offered me like a twofer he said you can go to the women's final four this year and we'll send you to the um you know to san antonio the following year which is where they had the final four yeah. So I said, no yeah, way. I guess New Orleans is a hotter ticket than San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. And I had, I just had a feeling because you had to commit like in in January or February. So yeah. we hadn't made a run yet, but I liked the team. I liked our chances. And to be honest, if there was one place in the world that I hadn't been that I needed to be, it was New Orleans. So even just for the free trip, I, I wasn't going to be. I was going to be in on that trip regardless. Um, so for we for work, we had to go down probably on a Thursday. And we had meetings like on Thursday and Friday. Um, Peters was my guest because he did some like art work for yeah. me. Um, and I figured of anybody, he would be the best guy to pal around in New Orleans with. So he came down maybe Friday. And were you... Were you home? Were you living home, or did you come uh, back down? I, as soon as we clinched that win against Oklahoma, I got on a computer and bought myself a ticket. Right. Okay. Because um, my belief was, the thing was, had I ordered the ticket the day before, I remember I would have saved a bunch of money, but I was like, that'll jinx it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's going to cost a lot more, but I'm not buying this ticket before we win this damn game. You know, I was like... Hell, man, if I can combine seeing my alma mater playing for the title of my hometown, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Yeah. It really is. So, and what's it, it what, it's down there, what, probably every every fourth year? A decade. Every sixth year, maybe? I'm try- no, it's not that often. Not that often? Yeah, because what was it before this? It was, I mean, it was 2003, well, then it was... Um, 2012, so basically once every 10 years, because it what was it 1993 was here before that, you know, the uh, Chris Weber oh, yeah, 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 timeout game. You know what? They throw in a women's final four every now and then, and they that yeah, they have the women's. That's are they down here this year or were they here last year? Ah, oh, the women are playing here soon if they haven't played already. Um, so that was a good trip, and and so Peters and I slept in that Kings for some reason. the the room that I got only had a king size bed. Yeah, it was a nice hotel. It was just that it was only a king size bed. It was bed. only a king size bed. And I knew I was coming with Peters, so I don't know why I didn't get um double beds in the room, but you know, add the fact that um that we crushed it one night and you ended up uh, staying down in the French quarter, so it was the three of us uh yeah. in in the king size bed. Again, not the only time you and I have ever slept in a bed together in a threesome uh, in New Orleans. Because I think we've told the story before about one of Angie's first trips to yep. meet any of our friends. 
was to come down to New Orleans on one of those football trips. And I, I believe you sanitized the story by saying you had slept on the couch. But I'm pretty sure that all three of us were in the bed. Yeah, probably. I remember I mean, waking if up. If you come to New Orleans, we're probably sharing a bed with a third person together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just how it goes, man. That's yeah, how it goes. Hey, Santa's coming to New Orleans. Time for another three-way. <laughs> Me, you, gratuitous stranger. Male, female, doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> Mike, and it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, so that... um. I don't know. What the hell are we talking about? Um, I'm not really sure. I, it all involved you sleeping in beds together. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, it got to, I mentioned that we slept in the bed together that night. And then you got into the NEC story and how they were trying to scalp the tickets. And <laughs> um, well, the big time conference that's trying to make ends meet by selling their group to it. They're free. They're complimentary Final Four tickets. I love that. While we're on Final Four, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the hoops this weekend. Yeah, um, the hoops this weekend was excellent. What, um, what was the was the um, was the game must see TV for you? Was that appointment television? Did you clear your schedule for it? Oh, the the uh, Villanova game. Villanova game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been I've been paying particularly close attention to the schedule and my availability, you know, since we started doing this podcast and, you know, I've seen every game, um, you know, whether it's, you know, on television or, um, online, but this was the, this was the first time that I really was excited for a game, um, you know, and, and cleared my schedule and made sure that I was around and, you know, had no distractions and, you know, put a little, um, little fanfare to it. I got, you know, my brothers uh, were watching the game with me. My, I, I was at my dad's house. Yeah. I was at my parents' house and, you know, we kind of put out a little spread. My sister was home. So there were a bunch of people watching this game. And I, to tell you the truth, um, a little bit, um, for a little bit in the first half, I kind of wished I was alone watching it. Yeah, I was alone watching it, and I prefer to watch uh, that type of stuff alone. I like to watch – generally, I like to watch the Saints alone. I like to watch Syracuse alone because I get stressed, and I feel like it's on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they're screwing up. I mean, if I'm around other people, I guess, that might have graduated from there that into it as I am, maybe it's not so bad, but I just – I just like to be alone when stuff like that's gone on. Yeah, no, I understand. If you looked at some of the Twitter feeds during that whole point where Nova got up to 25-7 to 7 on us, people were ready to jump off the bridge, man. <laughs> oh, it was ridiculous. It was like, oh, you know. And I mean, yeah, I wasn't too uh, crazy about it, but I was thinking there's no way they can keep shooting threes like this. Right, and you know, um, you're you're conditioned to some extent as a Syracuse fan to, you know, to kind of roll with that slow start. You know, more times than not, you have to live with that, um, just because of the type of of players we put on the floor. You know, yep. and especially with this team, there's no burner. You know, you don't know what you're gonna get um, from your sharpshooter on you know 
uh, any given possession. So you just got to let them get into the flow. You got to let the defense kind of push the tempo. You got to let them create some turnovers and then, you know, maybe some easy transition points. And, and, you know, I'm used to that. I don't, I don't, I'm not on the ledge, but, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, there was, there was a point in that first half when, uh, Nova just went on a run and, you know, I knew that they would slow down. And like you said, they, they couldn't have kept that up, but, Still, at that point, when you're staring down 25-7. Oh, yeah. And another thing was their defense was so tight on us early. You know, we were having real troubles with their defense. You know, we were taking, you know, we weren't, we weren't penetrating enough, I didn't think. Yeah, one, you know? a- absolutely. That's My dad said the same thing. And he, you know, he watches a handful of games a year whenever he can. But um, I think that was, that was clearly a deficiency um and their ability to just run bodies out at us um, was a big problem i mean they went you know they went nine deep um with a pretty a pretty athletic rotation yeah um you know they, they play you know they have no true center on their roster um, you know, they play three guards, sometimes four guards at a time, um, and they can get at you. Um, and I think that that was really the first time uh, a team has come close, you know, to exposing, you know, some of our weaknesses or some of our deficiencies. And that's just overall athleticism, you know. Yeah. Dwan Coleman, this is a perfect example of where he's kind of going to be a hindrance. Um you know, he played six minutes in the game because the tempo of the game outpaced him a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I know he's going to lose the minutes to Jeremy Grant, you know, anyway, um, and then especially in a game like this. But, you know, that's, you know, that's putting us, you know, seven guys in the rotation. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, I'll say this much, though. I couldn't be any happier with with winning that game the way we won it. Like getting down by that much, like when they could have folded their tents or, you know, just hung their heads. But instead, they freaking they went on a twenty to nothing run. I think it was. Uh yeah. Yeah, ended up taking the lead. You know, it was like, I mean, that tells me that told me a lot about this team. I mean, it 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 was the perfect game heading into the ACC conference season you know yeah um yeah it was at the eight uh, like the eight minute mark uh villanova ended up calling a timeout um for whatever reason i don't remember uh, if it was a possession issue um we hadn't gone on a run we hadn't scored in yeah you know in in like two minutes three minutes um but uh fair had a dunk took an offensive rebound had a dunk and then um and then we just rolled off 20 straight points um, like it was nothing. Yep. Cooney yeah, was. It was. It was really. Tyler Ennis took that game over too. Yeah, he really did. Um, you know, he continues to look strong. You know, he he kind of does everything. Um, you know, he's he's gonna be. Um, you know, he's gonna be more valuable. Um, as the season goes on, because, you know, to be honest, there's. There's really nobody to take his place 
uh, when yeah. he needs to come off the floor. So, um, you know, having him make that solid contribution was great. Nice to see Grant um, was healthy. That was a little bit of a scare yeah. Um, yeah. in the high point game. Uh, Fair didn't have oh, a, Yeah, yeah, that was when he took that fall. Yeah, he rolled Thank his God ankle. It was nothing more than what it was, you know? Exactly. Um, he didn't have a particularly good game. Um, you know, he played 35 minutes. He was only two for seven from the field. Uh, but he was. What were free throws? He was actually. Seven, yeah. Throw. He was seven of eight from the free throw line. Yeah. Um, which is outstanding because I think he only shoots about 65% or so. We actually shot free throws really good in that game. Really well. And they were clutch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was a shock. Like, we were hitting free throws when we needed to. Yeah, we were... Uh, and, of course, that game went on for about 10 minutes longer than it needed to. I'll tell you what, man. It's not, at one point, you had you had texted me how abysmal uh, the refs were. And almost on cue, as if Big, Big Brother was watching, uh, Grant ended up getting that flagrant foul. Yeah. Literally... Yeah, I was texting it right... Right before that happened, which like a second before they made that call, which was insane because I, okay, you pointed out to me that it was an elbow to the head. That's the definition of a flagrant foul. Yeah, but two problems with it is one, it was unintentional. It, it was clearly they don't unintentional. Even care about that and two, the only re- he wasn't even necessarily trying to clear space, but. He had no space. That's what my problem was. That guy was like, his like leg was under, was like between uh, Grant's legs, basically. He, he was in his pocket. Yeah. He literally. I don't understand how you can just not give a guy any space at all. You know, it made no sense to me. Of course, what also made no sense to me was. How we were getting called for all these nickel and dime falls earlier in the game, yet there was I don't know if you remember early in the first half where um where they literally gone for a ball, they literally knocked over one of our guys, and there was no whistle at all. I was like, how is that not a foul? You know? What meanwhile they were calling anytime you would go anytime those guys were gone to the hoop, there was a whistle. Yeah. You know? And then later on it happened in a game where, um, who was it? It wasn't Grant. It was uh, we got the rebound or the ball was thrown in and they knocked over one of our guys and there was no whistle. And I was like, I don't understand what's a foul and what isn't. You know? Yeah, the refereeing um, it was egregious. has been really bad throughout the entire season. Now, yeah. a lot of that was the... Um, was the transition to the the hand checking rule, and people were were um, you know hypercritical of you know of the refs in terms of their application of that. But you know that comes down from the league, um, and you know they're going to make the calls. They're going to make the calls, but that has seemed to disap- that that seemed to have disappeared. Yeah, well, I mean, part of that, I guess they say. Is that you know the players start adapting to it for one, you know, and they're not doing the stuff that they call. But it would seem like it's done to the referees. It has them focusing on that BS, you know. Meanwhile, they're not paying so much attention to stuff that normally they would whistle. Yeah, you know, it just seems like it's it's screwed it up a bit more, you know. Like uh, like that play at midcourt when they knocked over our guy, 
And it was right before TV timeout. Ball went out of bounds, and there was a TV timeout. And then it was like, okay, if that's not a foul, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the one thing I liked about the St. John's game and the Nova game, though, was a chance to hear Billy Raftery during the game. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, he's. I've always preferred him over Dick Vitale. Plus, I love the fact that he's, uh, you know, he's a drunk and he's pretty open about it. <laughs> you, you gotta appreciate that. Do you ever run into him? Um, it, I in, have in Fagans? never had an encounter with Bill Raftery, unfortunately. Uh, I did. Um, he was doing a game. I was probably oh, like a sophomore or or junior, um, and he was in the bar after like maybe one of those big Monday games, yeah, uh, or something along those lines. Um, and he was with McDonough. Oh, nice! But uh, Sean McDonough, he's he's kind of a little prick. Yeah, and, and I think he might be known for being a little prick. Oh, he probably is. But you know, I have pl- had run-ins with Sean McDonough before. Yeah, up in Boston or on campus? In Boston, you know, he was one night. He was out, you know, poorhouse. You know how close it was to Fenway. Yep. You know, I used to work the door there. One night he was walking around getting drunk with like the interns or whatever. Right. Like, it was like one of the interns. It was like the end of the summer or whatever. You know, <laughs> they had the, the Nesson interns or whatever he was calling the games for back then. Yeah, those two are great because they are they are unabashed drunks. And, well, you know, he's like super like Mr. Syracuse, too, McDonough. McDonough, yeah. He always talks about Syracuse. So he comes walking by. I was like, hey. I was like, hey, show McDonough. I was like, Syracuse class of 99. You know, because I knew he would do something, and he just shook my hand. He said, I could tell you were smart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have no problems with Sean McDonough, but he looks like he could be a little prick. Yeah, I I happened to be wearing a Yankee hat um, at the time, Uh, and we went over, kind of introduced ourselves, and, you know, after he was, you know, after, and he was holding court, and, and, you know, he was just being... Um, amenable and and pleasurable, but out of nowhere, McDonough kind of eyes me up and looks at me and he goes, ha look at you, you asshole. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was great, you know? Um, You know, because he he was talking to me. You know? Oh, Mike, Mike, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. It's great. Sean McDonough just called me an asshole. But um, I do agree with you. I prefer I, I prefer Raph over Vital. But I'll tell you what, I had met Vital up at Syracuse. He had come up to do a game. Yeah. And um, I, it was probably ninety five ninety five ninety six. Um, and yeah. we were over. Um, we were at the Sheridan Happy Hour. Unfortunately, Cuddy did not have uh, Sheridan points. So we weren't able to uh, utilize his jacuzzi at the time, <laughs> but we were there for the free free buffet and uh, you know whatever dollar drafts and two dollar vodka grapefruits, and um, n- not only was Vital in town for a game, I think he was also doing a book signing. Yeah, I re- that was my freshman year. Okay, I didn't get the book signed, but I remember you know the sign outside the bookstore how they were gonna have Vital. Uh, signing books that day, and he was doing the big Monday game that night. So there was a Sig Ep guy, um, uh, Andrew Shue. He was a dead ringer for uh, for Melrose Place 
uh, star and uh, brother of Elizabeth Shue, Andrew Shue. Yes. Um, so we happened to be pounding around with him and a couple other guys, and and um, you know we were uh, you know kind of mustering up the courage to kind of go over and and talk to Vital. So a couple guys kind of leaked over and were just you know kind of shook his hand, took a picture, whatever, and. Um, you know, he said, you know, hey, baby, did you buy my book? Did you guys get the – let me sign your book. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Shue said, are you kidding me? It's $20. You think any of us have 20 bucks to buy your book? Get out of here. And Vital went into his wallet and, and took out a 20 I said, here you go, baby. You got no excuses now. Go buy the book. <laughs> oh, man. So while he does annoy me uh, – you know, d- during the broadcast, he he was uh, he sat and he talked to us for a while, and he's exactly what you think he would be. You know, kind yep. of that you know overactive, uh, adrenaline pumping, you know, grandfathery type. Um, you know, who's really just kind of talking about nonsense, but you know, making you feel like you're part of the conversation nonetheless. I'll say the only time I ever had any encounter with Dick Vital. I mean, I had to be 13 or 14 at the time. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was um, it was it was in either you know probably the very early 90s. Uh, they used to have the uh, Sugar Bowl basketball tournament, you know. Like, yep. Which uh, they quit doing a few years back, but they play in the dome. And I remember, uh, you know, we were the, my brother and I went down there. And we were watching the game. We had decent seats. And uh, it was the game that was taking place at the time was University of New Orleans versus Pittsburgh. And who was on Pittsburgh at the time? Uh, Darren Morningstar, I believe, was the uh, okay probably the biggest name on Pittsburgh at the time. And uh, we saw Dick Vitale, you know, across across the court. We see him on the sidelines watching the game. And I'm trying to think think uh why he was there might have been one of the years where notre dame was playing in the sugar bowl okay because he wasn't there to broadcast the game but he was just sitting there watching it so at halftime you know we went down there you know and and you know just with a piece of paper and stuff and he was just signing autographs for everybody you know and there was like a crush of people around him and we got our autographs and that's finally right when we got on the security came and you know, told everybody to get away because they were causing a ruckus. And obviously, I adored him a lot more as a 14-year-old kid than I did once I got older and, you know, started to test him for his love of Duke. Right. You know, but um, but I will say that he could have been an asshole and told everybody to leave him alone, but he had no problem signing his autograph. Yeah. No, he, he You know, he, I think Dick Vitale, as much as he annoys me, as much as I'd rather hear Bill Raftery doing the game, I think he loves being Dick Vitale. Yeah, he really does. You know, so that's pretty cool. Uh, when I was at Syracuse, the last game, when I was there, the last home game we played was against UConn. And it was a CBS game. It's when they had Al McGuire doing the games. And I went down. You know, I stayed around until after the place was emptied out. I went to try to eat, meet Al McGuire. I went to shake his hand because I, I used to love Al McGuire. He he was considerably less cool. <laughs> was he really? Yeah, he was kind of a dick. Oh, I got that... down there right on the court as he came walking out. You know, I was like, "Hey, coach!" You know, I was like, "I was like, I've always 
I've always loved your broadcast or whatever, some BS like that. You know, thinking he'd be like really cool. I went and shook his hand. He was just like, you know, he was he shook my hand, but it was like, ah, get out of here, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad, man. Because um, one of my lasting memories or or lasting images of him is doing the uh, cuses in the house. Yes, and you know he's just. He just seems so genuine, you know, kind of well, in his yeah. in his love for the moment. But um, uh, you I know, mean, I don't know if like I figured the fact a college kid's gone up to him, he would have been cool with it. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna give him too hard of a time because maybe he's an old guy and he was tired. Who knows? Listen, you know? I I was the top ten guy, and um, I would routinely stop to take pictures on my way to class or, you know, in between massive sets at the bar. And, you know, it's just, trust me, you know, me, mm-hmm. Al McGuire, Dickie V, and uh, and, and Raph. I, I know you don't really understand what we go through. Uh, you know, we want our private time. But at the same time, those are the people who made us who we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you're saying that because um, I remember I was living with Girk the last year there. You know, we'd walk through campus and, like, I'm rather gregarious like yourself. You know, so it was always a chance I was going to see somebody I knew. And, right. uh, Especially living where you guys lived, it was right. Yeah, it, I mean, we were literally right on, on campus. campus. Like, we're, like, outside my bedroom was a parking lot. It was very odd. You know, like, a person would be parking their car to head to class, like, three feet away from my window. Right. Uh, <laughs> but Girk's like, <laughs> I remember once we're walking, he's like, man, I'm going to start calling you Senator, because everybody knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. Then, you know, it was, you know, it's like, kind of like uh, Billy Madison, you know, when you're there. Like it's like parties every night, a million friends, and then you leave school and you go in, and you order one of those rounds of like friggin' eight shots for your buddies, and they and they tell you fifty three dollars. Right. <laughs> like, Whoa, fifty three dollars was like my tab for three nights in the bar. Right. <laughs> and you realize you, you know, you're you're minor, campus wide celebrity amongst. A rotating cast of about a thousand people is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been lucky enough because Guy and uh, Mike Vincent are still up there, and and I go to visit them, you know, on a regular basis, at least once a year. Yeah, I, I, I've managed to infiltrate some of the, you know, some of the the next generation crew, you know, to the point it's almost like it's almost like athlete's foot. You know, I, I kind of get in there and, you know, I ingratiate myself. And before they know that I'm a fungus, you know, I'm there. It's too late. It's too late. There's nothing they can do except maybe, you know, spray me down and just hope I go away after a while. So, um, yeah. it's been, you know, it's been pretty positive, um, you know, from that standpoint. But then again, you know, you're talking about rolling with the Vincent brothers. Oh, if I go back, like, when I went up there in 2003, it was, like, old times. I'm talking about everywhere but Syracuse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. That's why I don't go in, out anywhere. 
But yeah. the one time yeah. a year I like go to Syracuse. I came home from college, you know, it was like I was used to that. You know, where you go up, you order a bunch of shots for all the people you're partying with, and, you know, cost was not a factor because there was no cost. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on my tab. Right. <laughs> At the end of the night, there's three drinks on the tab. Yeah, yeah. It was... <laughs> It was ridiculous, you know. I was like, all right. And it's like, you know, uh, I remember BP and I would always have the same tab together on Wednesday nights. Every night it would be $20. <laughs> and, you know, and we each put up $20. You know, it's like, here's here's the tab with a $20 tip. And everybody was happy. <laughs> you know, everybody but the Dallas's, I guess, if they right. knew how much money they were losing. <laughs> That's when you know you're in a good business, when you're in a business that makes so much damn money that you can literally be losing uh, hundreds of dollars a night and not notice it. Right, no joke. care about it because you're making so much damn money. Uh, speaking of campus visits, uh, a couple days before Christmas, uh, I get a text from my brother Josh. Yeah. Um, and he says something along the lines of, you know, are you free Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And I was like, well, every day or just one of those days? And he said, well, just just pretend I'm going to take you on a Disney cruise. Would you be available to go on one? And I said, you better call me because this sounds like you're trying to make a plan here. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that this is something we can do clandestinely. Um, so he calls me up. He's like, yeah, listen, man, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to plan your Christmas present. And, um, you know, I had thought about getting you Duke tickets. Yeah. And I went online, and he's like, you know, I went online a couple months ago, and they were really expensive. But then I went online the other day, and, like, they're really reasonable. And I, was, I thought, okay, well, we can go up, and, you know, I can, I can afford two tickets, and we'll take a ride up. And we'll stay with Guy. Um, he's like, but then I looked, and they were selling, you know, behind the curtain, opposite end zone, you know, to watch it on TV. He's like, so I didn't think that was a good idea. Um, then I tried to get, you know, tickets to UNC, but, you know, that wasn't going to work. He's like, but, you know, the Villanova tickets are pretty reasonable. Um, I checked with Guy. He said, you know, we have a place to stay. You know, do you want to go up? And, you know, we'll, you know, we'll go for a long weekend. And then, uh, you know, and then come back on Sunday. But it was just, it was like too last minute, too kind of thrown yeah. together, too much, you know, coordination. Plus, that's on my end, and I have no obligations or no responsibilities. Like, literally. Yeah. He's got kids and, you know, vacation time and all that kind of stuff. So, who knew if he would be able to kind of make that work? Yeah. Um, so, we ended up. Ended up, you know, kind of bailing on that, and I said, you know, I appreciate the sentiment. Um, you know, maybe we could make another game work. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of kicking around games, but there's just uh, there's very few attractive games, you know, that kind of work for us um, scheduling wise. Um, yeah, your most- brother, he got in touch with me asking me about the the nosebleed seats, you know. Yeah. For Duke, for one thing, I was like, this is a pretty late in the game to be um, trying to be scoring tickets for that, you know. Yeah. I I told him to go on the website and you can punch in a seat and it'll show you what the view is from there. I don't know if he ever did that. But, um, but, 
I mean, I think people had thought about that six months ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, when those tickets went on, the, when the single game tickets went on sale? Yep. Because a popular thing on Christmas Day, following these other Syracuse websites, you know, these other uh, blogs and whatnot, uh, like the Troy Dunes blog, they were retweeting all these uh, tweets from Syracuse fans and... That was one of the more popular uh, Christmas gifts was Duke-Syracuse tickets. Yeah. I mean, it's been on everybody's calendar. You know, the game sold out in October. Um, yeah. You know, it's just been, you know, Yeah, on they didn't have that many single-game tickets for that game in general, you know? Uh, they were talking about moving that to midfield. Yeah. But that would screw up. You know, all the season ticket holders and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, they didn't want to do that because they didn't want to screw the season ticket holders. Which, give them, you know, give them credit. That, that's a move they could have easily made and doubled their money. Yeah, they would have you know, sold out the building. For that game, but, um, you know, good for them. That's not a, it's not a move Gross usually makes. He doesn't usually make the right move. Um, yeah. But that's... You know that's yeah. I know. Usually, gross, is, which which just shows the goes to show you it was probably Jim Beheim's decision. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because Daryl Gross is a whore. <laughs> he is a whore. You know, he sell he will he will sell out in a New York minute, man. You know, oh, uh, like anything. I don't know. I can't even come up with a good analogy right now. Did you happen to... Well, this is exactly uh, a great analogy. Um, or actually evidence of his yeah. whore, whorishness. All uh, the New Jersey football games are evidence of his whorishness. <laughs> did you read the article um, where uh, he had sent a memorandum to, yes. to yes. the ACC? What an absolute jackass. I mean, I understand the point, but... He could have done it more cleverly than being the guy who's being slapped with the the tag of please let us play the other big schools, you know? I've I've been in those meetings and granted they they're on a lesser scale um with less at stake, but every school regardless of their allegiance to the conference, every school has their best interest at heart. But 100%. Yeah. What's in it for me and then how can I accommodate the other members of of the conference? But they don't call it out publicly. Yeah, and you know what? Fill up our stadium first. Exactly. You know what? Quit moving Notre Dame and Penn State and USC games 4 hours away from the campus, too. Right. You know, people will come to games because more people will have to buy season tickets. Exactly. You know? And he just doesn't get it. He's he's enamored with being New York's university. Yeah. You know what? We're not New York's university. No. We're Central New York's university. And that you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I think that no, is a, there is nothing that's a wrong great with that. You're thing not going to pick be. up the campus and move it to Manhattan. And it doesn't work. You know, granted... A great number of our alumni base comes from the greater metropolitan New York City area. But at yeah. the same time, a lot of them end up relocating here. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, we have a direct pipeline from Manhattan. Yeah. You know, there's some- I guess he's going to be blowing his load again because Syracuse will, the Syracuse band will be playing at the Super Bowl, apparently. Are they really? <laughs> yeah. The Syracuse band and the Rutgers band. So you can have 
fight it out again for who's who New York's college team is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but speaking about the um, speaking about the football team, um, pretty pretty good win. Any oh, any bowl win. win, I would say, is a good win. Um, I thought we saw some good stuff out. I'll say this of the much team. though. What was most important was that we beat Minnesota because for some reason, no matter how mediocre that that school is at football, uh, when I was there, we couldn't beat them. You know, we played them last year and we couldn't beat them. And it's not like they've ever been good. So I looked it up and I think we've played them about six times. I'll look it up again right now. And I think this was only the second time we beat them. So that... At least we got that little bit of uh, ugliness off the out of the way there. Yeah. Um, although, speaking of ugliness, I had missed the first half because I went to see the uh, I went to see uh, the Hobbit, and that's just a monumental commitment. It's, you know, it's yeah. it's like a three hour commitment. So by Are the you time going with uh, the 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 nieces and nephews or something, I went with uh, my brother, my sister, and her uh, fiance, and my dad. My dad's a big. Uh, um, your dad's a big Hobbit guy. He's a big Hobbit guy. When I was a little kid, that was kind of like one of the first books that he gave us. Um, yeah. We you know saw Lord of the Rings together, the whole deal, and it was you know yeah. Friday over Christmas, so it was perfect time. Uh, but we ended up getting to the bar. Um, to have some dinner after the movie, uh, and they were just starting the second half. So I got to see the whole second half, which was great, but, I mean, the first half it was abysmal. Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. Uh, I mean, we had fumble, turnover on downs, we scored, uh, and then punt, Minnesota yeah, punt, fumble, see, punt, 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 Although I was recording it. You know, we we had the uh, fake field goal that didn't go well. You know, we had no faith in the place kicker, and then when they decide to put faith in the place kicker, it was foolish <laughs> in the second half. Like, we went for it on fourth and nine and made it at one point. Then it's fourth and two, where it's going to be a 41-yard field goal, and we decide that, or 47-yard field goal, whatever, and we decide this is the time to, to send out the place kicker. <laughs> made no sense to me at all and then i don't know we're just lucky that um we're lucky that it took them a half to start connected on passes because we were not covering those guys at all no you know, they're receivers no and no, that wasn't more evident than the last two plays of the game Oh, yeah, we almost gave up that Hail Mary with four seconds left. They should have caught both of those passes. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was abysmal. Um, I'm just looking to see on our defense. Eskridge was out. Which hurt yeah, us. Eskridge was out. I mean, he he's been out a few weeks now. Um, yeah, he's a good player. But uh, well, I'm wrong. Well, I'm looking up the the uh, our series record with Minnesota. We played our first game with with them in 1995, which we won. 
27 to 17 at home. 1996, we played at Minnesota. They were four and seven. And 1996, we had a, I believe, uh, you know, we went to a bowl that year. Donovan McNabb was quarterback. We lost 35 to 33 to Minnesota. Then we lost 23 to 20 to him in 2009. Then 17 to 10 last year to him. I don't know why such a mediocre school. And not one of those times did Minnesota finish with a winning record. Yeah, some teams just have your number for whatever reason. Yeah, well, when we were there, it was every team that was mediocre had Paul Pascaloni's number. <laughs> you know, you go out and you go out and knock off a of Michigan, and then you lose to like an East Carolina or uh, a middling North Carolina State team or something like that. You know, it was always like that. We always have some big victory, but it'd always be tempered by uh, by a ridiculous loss. Well, yeah. this victory I would I would say is a pretty big victory. Uh, it, although the game wasn't stellar, um, I think it was big for a number of reasons. One, obviously, a, a postseason appearance um, yep. is great. A postseason win is even better. Um, you know, they put in those extra two weeks of practice. Um, I, at this point, uh, I don't think there's a question that Hunt uh, is the starter. Yeah, he just needs to be more consistent, but he played really well when it counted. Um, You know, I I think Smith declared that he's coming back. No, Smith has gone to the pros. Smith's leaving? Yeah, because he graduated already. So he just doesn't, obviously, he he doesn't feel like taking pointless classes just to play football, I guess. All right, which is good, because if he had come back, um, you know, he would have over 600 carries. You know, in his collegiate career, and that's just, you know, you're starting to get to a number where you're just not going to have a productive pro career, even if you had the talent. And you know, what what do you think? He's a mid. mid He might not even get drafted because you don't because I think a lot of running backs go undrafted now because the reality is, unless you're like, unless you're some. Unless you're like Adrian Peterson, I think the NFL realizes there's going to be so many guys out there in the free agent market that other positions are more valuable to go after in the draft, you know? Okay, fair enough. I mean, that's my take on it, because he didn't have as great a season as people were thinking he would have. And, uh, I mean, he's got all kinds of physical drawbacks. But I think he'll, I think he'll definitely get in camp, and he's got a good chance to make a team, you know, because I think he has good power. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I mean uh, like, look at the Saints. The Saints have uh, who we have Mark Ingram, who I think sucks. Who was a first round draft pick, but then they have Pierre Thomas, uh, this guy Kerry Ke- Robinson. Both of those guys were undrafted free agents. You know, I I just don't think they. Uh, you know, there there's a lot less Adrian Petersons out there than guys who are just picked up. You know, anywhere you can find running backs anywhere nowadays. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go drafted at all. Yeah, that's what that's you're right. That's what um what it looks like in terms of his uh his grade and and you know mock draft projections. 7th round. Are you looking at that stuff right now? Yeah, 7th round free agent signee. Yeah. Um one of my favorite little stories to come out of the bowl was uh was Julian Wiggum for Syracuse. 
Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> his quote, uh, yeah, I got it right up here. <laughs> what you know, the bowl people don't want to hear. The school people that are trying to sell tickets don't want to hear. He tweeted, <laughs> this was his tweet. Bowl games are the most pointless games ever. The gear ain't too bad, though. <laughs> Uh, which is great. Yeah, especially the fact they placed for Syracuse. Like, they were so desperate to get in a bowl game and have a winning season and be validated. <laughs> Unreal. And that's pretty much how probably 95% of the guys across the board playing in these 38 or whatever it is, number of bulls feel about stuff right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll give him credit. The gear is all right. Yeah. I mean, if he thinks the gear is all right for the Texas Bowl, uh, you know, when you go to, like, one of the better bowls, it's even it's even more ridiculous. <laughs> they had this um, dead spin and posted this video last week of uh, the Missouri. Missouri's gone to the Cotton Bowl. It was a video of all the guys going nuts as, as the, the football team going nuts as they're showing them all the – all the swag they're getting from the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they get like tablets and stuff like that now. It's crazy. You know, and a common one they do it a lot of these I, I've seen. Because they always put the list of what they are, you know, for the last few years. Right. Like what different bowls get. They do this stuff where, you know, they'll, they'll be given a $500 uh, credit to go into Best Buy, and they all go on a trip to like Best Buy together and buy whatever the hell they want. But they got to spend the whole five hundred dollars there at the time where they lose it. You know, yeah, right? Hey, I mean, you know how awesome that must be to have five hundred dollars as a college student to spend in Best Buy. Well, that's where they must all get their Beats headphones. Oh, I'm sure. Because yeah. I, I'm a forty year old male. Uh, and, and I can't afford Beats headphones. I had to ask for them for Christmas. I, I don't know how every single member of a Division One, major Division One athletic program, can be outfitted with a pair of three hundred and fifty dollars headphones. Now, realistically, I know how they do it, but yeah. in theory, you know how does that how does that happen? But that's what they cost. I knew they were expensive. I only realized they were that expensive. That they were a hundred dollars plus recently, and I was like, "Wait, people are dropping three bills on friggin' headphones." That blows me away. Yeah. Now, granted, they are pretty good quality, um, but unless you have disposable income, unless you invest in luxury items, or unless you're fortunate enough to be able to kind of receive them as a gift from a friend or a family member. Uh, you know, they're not on my list of, you know, must-haves. It is one of those things you have to ask for a gift because you would never you would never spend that type of money on that ridiculous amount of money on something like that for yourself. No, you can't justify but, it. Yeah, but a gift, yeah, that's what a gift is supposed to be, something you wouldn't go buy for yourself. Absolutely. You know? But yeah, Julian Wiggum's got a long way to go before he gets himself into into a set of Beats headphones. Yeah, I mean, I do like the way we finished. I mean, we have a long way to go, but I, I like I said before, I think Scott Schaefer is going to be the right guy for this job. You know, he really seems to want to be there, and he seems like he wants to work to get people in the seats and, and um, you know, t- 
turn Syracuse around and get them back winning the way they're supposed to be winning. So let's look ahead. Um, let's look ahead to 2014. The, uh, the new year is upon us. Um, and well, we can't look ahead yet. We got Eastern Michigan tomorrow at three o'clock Eastern. Uh, at home against Eastern Michigan. But you know the big, which is coached by former Syracuse assistant Rob Murphy. Uh, I mean, it could be a dangerous game. If you remember, was it last year where we played Central Connecticut State on New Year's Eve, and it was a hell of a lot closer than it should have been. Pride of the Northeast Conference. Yes, the Blue Devils are they? Uh, they are. I'm trying to see if there's a line on the game. Um, no, I can't. Uh, I don't have one off the top of my head. But but the biggest news I uh, if, about who's doing the national anthem tomorrow. Let me just give you a hit. Mm, bop. <laughs> Hanson? Yes. What is Hanson doing the national anthem for? Because apparently they're playing some concert, free concert downtown, uh, in downtown Syracuse tomorrow, too. And I think the bigger news is that Hanson is still together. <laughs> well, they're family, so it's kind of hard to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, you know, they are family, but have they been p- playing touring as Hanson ever since 1997 <laughs> when Um Bob hit it big? Uh, maybe not. No, that's, that's really commitment. Uh, here's the line on the game. It's it's uh, Syracuse is mine is favored by 19. Um, Eastern Michigan, they're seven and four. Uh, they score 71 points. Uh, they allow 66 points. Uh, they're not so good on the road. They're only one and three, but um, they are uh, six and one at home. You know, it, it's a game we should handle. But you're right. Um, you know, you can't look past it, especially after playing a big game two days ago. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so keep our eye on that. We won't obviously look past Eastern Michigan, but... Yes, we um, can't do that. It's the last non-conference game before ACC starts. But our football season is over, so we can kind of look towards 2014. And I, I think there's obviously two two ways that 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 we can go as a, as a program. And this can simply just be a, a stepping stone uh, and a building block, and we can make a major leap next year with you know more consistent quarterback play, a, yeah. you know bring back a solid defense like we did uh, this year, and you know really compete in the ACC. You know, let's be honest, we're in the same side of the draw as Florida State and Clemson. Um, you know, so. A third place finish in the division, you know, a top five in the conference, um, up the bowl a little bit. I think that's a successful, uh, that's a successful season. But on the flip side, you know, there's always that opportunity for a letdown. Um, you know, second year in the conference, sophomore jinx. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a lot of close games this year that we could have won. We could have, you know, like you've mentioned before, we could have been eight and four, but we weren't. No. And there were a couple games in there where we could have, you know, we could have gone the other way and gone five and seven, um, but you know, but we didn't. So uh, you know, I think we're somewhere, you know, uh, between a seven and an eight win team if we catch some breaks. You know? I'll say this much though: we want a lot of people weren't even predicting us to win six games this year. True. You know, we changed coaches. 
changed, you know, quarterback went to the NFL. We were unsettled on the quarterback issue. Uh, we lost our best lineman to the draft. You know, there was all kinds of upheaval in our program. So, I I mean, we can only get better, I think. You know, uh, Hunt played, Hunt, even though he took over the job, he, he didn't play too well most of the time. You know, but now he's going to have, you know, he's got a whole year under his belt. He ended on a high note. You know, he should come in with lots of confidence. Uh, I think the recruiting is being upgraded. You know, and um, playing with Clemson and Florida State, yes, we may never uh, beat those guys out, but I think playing against those guys, that's going to be a nice little, uh, you know, a nice little token to lure guys in that to to play at Syracuse. You know, the fact that we are playing every year, we're going to be playing the, you know, two toughest teams in the conference. You yeah. know, so um, so if we win seven or eight games in the regular season next year, I won't be disappointed. Just as long as what I don't want to see is I don't want to see us getting losing to teams like Georgia Tech fifty six to nothing anymore. Agreed. You know, if you lose to Georgia Tech, lose lose by less than like eight touchdowns. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, maybe put up a little fight against Florida State, but. I'm not going to grouse about that too much because Florida State destroyed everybody this year, save for Boston College, and we beat Boston College. So if we can win seven or eight games next year and beat Boston College, I guess I'll be happy. Now, what are your thoughts uh, on Florida State? You know, some of the <coughs> excuse me, some of the the scuttlebutt is you know whether or not Winston uh, you know plays, whether or not whether or not he leverages baseball. Takes the season off, comes back. Um, you know, we've talked about him enough. You know, during yeah. the season to get a, get a feel. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on whether or not he comes back? And if he comes back, that kind of changes. You know, not only the 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 conference landscape, but it changes the national landscape as well. I think he'll come back. He's got to come back, right? Because he'd be foolish not to. I mean, you don't come back and play. I mean. Eesh. You know, you see these guys at the NFL level when guys would hit sit out a year and then they come back and it's like you blew a year of like you know when you're at your peak abilities. Right. It's hard to take a year off. Look at Maurice Claret. You know when yep. he when he decided or when got suspended or whatever the hell it was, he was never the same guy again. You got to keep with it. And Jameis Winston might go play baseball and maybe that'll help him. But there's not too many guys that went to go play baseball and came back to play football that turned out that great. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the exception of, like, Chris Winkie. You know, Russell Wilson was playing baseball while continuing to play football. Uh, Drew Henson comes to mind. Yeah, and he never really did much. No. You know, uh, who was it? Josh Booty. Yeah. Who was a super recruit uh, for LSU, but also was drafted in the top ten by the Marlins. So he went to play baseball instead because he wanted the money. He came back to play at LSU, and he did it, go play in the NFL, but he was never good. He was mediocre. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think he's threatening. Um, I will say this much. Did you watch the Heisman ceremony? I did. You know, they did a little uh, a little bit on Dick Kazmaier because he died. 
And he won the Heisman in 1952 from Princeton. And he was the last guy from an Ivy League school to win the, uh, the Heisman. And when Jameis Winston got up there and gave a speech, I had a hard time believing they haven't given it to another Ivy League guy since. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever helped him write his speech did not do him a service. Right. You know, I mean, all right, yeah, we all know that you may or may not have sexually assaulted a woman, but you really didn't have to make a reference to it in your speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the the old adage, you know. What's the point of sexually assaulting a woman if you can't mention it in your Heisman acceptance speech? You know. Yeah, and he—I don't know what was the. It was like he had this whole theme that he kept saying over and over again about climbing a mountain or something like that or overcoming stuff. And it's like, dude, you're not Martin Luther King. You're a football player who. Who might have done something terrible? You know, you're not exactly some guy who overcame great injustice. <laughs> of your <laughs> own. Foster's, he was up there talking like he was a martyr. Of your own making. Yes. <laughs> you were there, man. <laughs> Whether or not you engaged in improprieter, improprieties is subject to debate. An interpretation, but you were there. Yes. It wasn't John Capaletti's Heisman Trophy speech where he had the whole crowd crying, you know, <laughs> talking about his little brother or anything like that. It was, mm. it was, it was wrong and too long. Yeah. It was uncomfortable to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's got a Heisman Trophy and we don't. So I guess yes. he gets to dictate. Yes how uncomfortable he wants to make it. No, I know. I mean, we all knew he was going to get it, but it was just funny. And I was like, yes. Uh, and, and I have no faith that a guy from the Ivy league will ever win one again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Although well. the speech may be a lot more eloquent than the one Winston gave this year. Uh, what else we got, man? Anything? Uh, I mean, can't think of too much. Yeah, I mean, there's other things I thought of, but they're not relevant now. We've kind of passed that point in the conversation. Yeah, we um, um we had a long uh, we had a long break, so we had a lot to catch up on. Yeah, I will tell you one thing. This has nothing to do with sports, but this is just a little thing in the back of my mind because I was thinking a couple of weeks ago and I never got to it. I went to the movies. I saw the preview for the new RoboCop movie. Okay, you know which uh. A remake of the original starring Syracuse graduate and professor Peter Weller. Um, did you know that he was teaching classes at Syracuse? I didn't. If you watch those History Channel shows, like the ones about the Romans and the Greeks and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, this is probably like in the last 10 years. One day I'm watching those shows and was like, what the Romans built or the Greeks built or whatever. And, the, and they come to a guy and they're interviewing him. Peter Weller, professor, Syracuse University. I'm no. like, no way. RoboCop is a Syracuse professor and expert on a History Channel show. So that was pretty cool. But my point about the RoboCop was the next day I'm driving to work. Uh, and two things in this world really bother me. People that don't use their blinkers, <laughs> which is like 
criminal, and it's everywhere in New Orleans. Like, it's down here, I don't even think they know the blinker. They, most people don't know the right from the left in the city, so I guess they just avoid using it. Right. Uh, and then the cyclist. You know, cyclists, they they all want to be treated like cars, but none of them want to follow the rules of the road. Right. And this guy's coming the wrong way uh, down the road, and it's really screwing up the morning traffic because everybody's trying to dodge him. So everybody's coming to a crawl because they're so afraid they're going to hit the cyclist. And um, I was really thinking it would be nice if we could come up with a RoboCop to handle people with these petty offenses. <laughs> you know, Wait. like... You're you're riding the wrong way down the street on your cycle you're on your bicycle and he shoots you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just for the petty offenses and people it would clean up all that all that crap right away. You know, a couple of people get shot for not using their turning signals. Everybody will be using their turning signals eventually. <laughs> just like in the Robocop movie, you cleaned up all the crime. For fear of elimination. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I better use my my turn signal, you never know when RoboCop's going to pop out. <laughs> so take heed, citizens of New Orleans. <laughs> Senator Matthew Livicari is going to make things happen. Change is coming. Ah, uh, dude, if someone got shot by somebody, not that I would ever, A, I don't carry a gun. And uh, that's, that's one reason it won't happen. But, you know, you see about these people going nuts and shooting people, these road rage incidents. Uh, if it was over a guy shooting a guy because he didn't use his turn signal, I think most people would understand to be on the road rage guy's side. Um, my road rage um, has to do with uh, rotaries or roundabouts. Yes, or we call them traffic circles down here. Circles in New Jersey is what we call yeah. them. But in um, in Massachusetts, they call them rotaries. Yes, rotaries, yeah. And I, I, I was living up there in like 98, 99, my third year of law school. And I was coming home from uh, the gym in Revere, Revere. Uh, and, I, and I was living in Winthrop. Um, so you had to – there was a circle uh, or, or a rotary uh, on Route 16 um, and Route 1, uh, which I had to take in order to get home. And as I was kind of coming through it, I was in the circle. I was the, you know, the right of way. And this woman came from – uh, came from you know from my side, cut me off, and beeped at me. But not only beeped at me, gave me the finger. <laughs> Continued around the rotary and headed back, you know, in a southerly direction. Yeah, I was headed north. <laughs> I was sitting in in a good fifteen or twenty minutes of traffic, but that did not dissuade me from swinging around the rotary. And following this woman headed back in the direction that I just came from. <laughs> That's hardcore road rage, man. I don't know what came over me. The fact that she gave me the finger and I was in the right really rubbed me the wrong way. That's what really pisses me off. When I know I'm in the right and the person's getting pissed at me. So I like when I... Uh. Oh, that's that that pisses me off to no end. I just I couldn't tolerate it, so I followed yeah, her. I understand. And I followed her into a parking lot. And at this point I think she notices that I'm following her and that I'm the guy from the rotary. And I think she becomes, you know, a little nervous, but at this point it's still it's still pre cell phone. Yeah. Um, so she kinda doesn't Fortunately know. Fortunately for you. Fortunately for me. Because yeah. 
Um, she kind of gets out of her car tentatively, and I, I pull up behind her, and I get out of my car, and I say, Excuse me, ma'am. Do you know who has the right of way in a Massachusetts rotary? And she just kind of looks at me stunned. And she says, No, who? And I said, I do. I have the right of way in a Massachusetts rotary. <laughs> and she said, Oh, um, I'm sorry. Did did anybody get hurt? <laughs> and at this point, you know, she's just kind of disarmed me. She's complete, completely oblivious. And I said, no, but just mind the road rules next time. And I get back in my car. Joke's on me because I had to sit in another 15 minutes of traffic. Yeah, no Headed kidding. back into the rotary. But that woman knows what the laws are in a Massachusetts rotary from that Thanks point on. <laughs> Those Massachusetts rotaries are awful, man. <laughs> they really are. It almost are. seems like you're this close to being Chevy Chase and, uh, and European vacation. <laughs> Look, it's Big Ben Parliament. <laughs> and they're everywhere. Yeah, like New Jersey love that design of road. New Jersey's like phased them out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. New Jersey's phased them out a little bit. So like yeah, down down by you. Dangerous as hell. But they're they're just every major um interchange that you come to. It's like Boston loves having them just I don't know. I don't know if they just love having wrecks or whatever. I don't know. Well, you know Boston. Like people are great drivers there. They just they love their you know their offbeat their offbeat idiosyncrasies you know they love their roast beef you know they love their fried clams and they love their Massachusetts rotaries yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right man on that note um, you Here's have a great new year yeah happy new year Feliz Navidad y prospero año y felicidad ah and with apologies to Girk's brother we'll see you in 2014 peace.